man, since I started bow hunting, I remember the first time, which I felt like I called it failure, was when I went out and I didn't see anything. Like that was my first year bow hunting. I, I grew up rifle hunting with my old man and just didn't take it serious. And I remember that feeling. It was like losing on the mat or losing a fight, like a boxing match. And I hate that because I feel like my identity gets caught up in that, like fear of failure. So I've made a lot of time and sacrifice to try to be a killer, you know, and successful. And over the years, I've realized that's not what it's about. It's in your DNA and to put that kind of pressure. And as, as men, like if you didn't have hunting and you didn't have that, that self pressure, I think that obviously anything great like that can also be bad. Like too much of something can be bad, but I think it's a great thing for us to aspire to because if you didn't have that, you could find yourself getting in a lot of trouble in other ways. So I, I think hunting, it, it's, that, it's that added value, but it's just, again, once it gets in your blood, it, it, it becomes and creates a different lifestyle. Well, and I think that people don't understand too, is that you have to have that level of focus, even just from being in the truck and looking to getting out and how you do that and grabbing your gear. Like you, you, there's not a lot of time to like take your eyes off the ball or why you're there and doing what you're doing. Because it's like, usually the minute you do, there's been times where I'm walking out and I'm thinking about, oh, I gotta go see my wife. I've been gone for you know a week and I get to see my family. And uh, yeah, and then all of us head down and then all of a sudden you hear a charge or a crash. And I'm like, oh crap, like they were just right there and they took off. I tell a lot of our, uh, a lot of our out of state folks, you know, that once they dial in their rifle or, or their bow, particularly a rifle, you know, get off of that shooting bench you know, and, and shoot off of sticks, shoot off of a tree, go run up and down the hill and then shoot. What's your effective range at that, at, in those conditions? Because the truth is, you're not gonna have a shooting bench with you when, we, when we're out there. Hey guys, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I wanna take a minute to introduce you to a new organization called Howl for Wildlife. Howl was grown out of the necessity to have a fast acting tool to focus the sportsman's voice on issues concerning wildlife management and hunting. It's Howell's goal to shut down any initiative that doesn't support sound management practices before it even makes it to the ballot, and certainly before it reaches the court. I know I sound like a broken record, but we need to start looking at hunting as a community and not just an individual sport. And that means supporting all hunting, whether we engage in duck hunting or predator hunting or anything in between. We are all in this for different reasons. And unfortunately, it's this difference that will be our undoing if we let it. So we need to come together as one pack and let our diversity be our strength. We are a strong force if we band together, one voice, one howl. I want you to go to howlforwildlife.org, that's H-O-W-L for wildlife.org, and join there. There's no cost to you to becoming a member. How operates solely on donations, so it's completely up to you if you decide you want to send money or not. There will be no annoying emails, no newsletter advertisements, or money grabs, or anything like that. No drives. Signing up as a member just means that when there's an issue concerning wildlife management like this attempt on banning mountain lion hunting and bear hunting in Arizona, you will be called to stand with us and let your voice be heard. So get out there. Get on Howlful Wildlife, become a member, and join the pack. Thank you. Let's jump into this episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for sitting down with me. It's uh, pretty uh, pretty intense over here. I, I honestly, normally, I would, uh, you know, I I had been following you for a long time, and I this year I didn't keep track of anybody. Did you? I mean, I didn't even see what your season was like. Was it good? Did you have like a freaking good season? Oh yeah, yeah, it was killer a good season. season. Yeah, killer season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because I, I heard Henry saying it, but then yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like, um, man, since I started bow hunting, I remember the first time, which I felt like I called it failure, was when I went out and I didn't see anything. Like that was my first year bow hunting. I, I grew up rifle hunting with my old man and just didn't take it serious and. I remember that feeling. It was like losing on the mat or losing a fight, like a boxing match. And I hate that because I feel like my identity gets caught up in that, like fear of failure. So I've, I've made a lot of time and sacrifice to try to be a killer, you know, and successful. And over the years, I've realized that's not what it's about, right? It like takes, I, it, it, it's, unfortunately, you have to go through all these things to figure that out, right? Like, yeah. I'm the same way. I, I, well, I'm, I'm still kind of that way a little bit. I put a lot of undue 
pressure on myself that it doesn't need to be there. Like, nobody really gives a shit if I fill this tag but me, right? Like, right. I, I don't know, but I, I'm sure you, you, you had that same thing. You're like, especially being, you know, a little bit more in the social media, being in, like, you know, the yeah. spotlight. That, that puts a lot of shit on you like, that you don't need. Well, and I think <laughs> first before, like, social, I wouldn't even say I got, like, a huge following. But even before social, I have a lot of guys that are just, like, they indirectly make comments to me, like, oh, you're going to put that. They're putting that pressure on me. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. let's see what you do this season. Oh, so forget about it. But I've realized, too. You know, in it, being in the field, that it's not about that, and I've been able to realize that because of my sons, because I don't want them to feel those feelings, like my insecurities. I don't want to pass that down to them. So I've learned over the years to be able to like say, "Hey, just like I would tell my boys when they get on the mat or anything, give it 125 percent. Remember how hard we worked to get here. Right. But whatever happens, let's have fun. And then once you once you get through that and 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 be, me being able to, you feel like a, I feel like a hypocrite giving that message because that's not how I would do it for myself. Right. But once you see it and it plays out, it shines light on it, and you're like, ah, yeah, that's okay, you know. Yeah, I, but, I've been trying to do a lot of that with my with my kids too. Like just, you know, trying to. It's not about pulling the trigger. It's not about the kill. It's about the whole experience of it all. Right. Like, and 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 being able to just enjoy everything about it the shitty parts the great no matter parts. what exactly it's funny how like the pressure we put on ourselves when it comes to a a high quality tag or a high demand tag you know and and to look at it and how you put pressure on yourself when you use say eight or ten points to draw a tag and you have these certain expectations oh, yeah. that's huge and you know, you compare that to an over-the-counter unit or something like that. Sometimes it's best to just take in that overall experience and not put that added pressure just because you've got 10 years plus put into a tag, you know, and and being able to just go in yeah. with eyes open no matter what. It's nuts. Every time I've had a limited entry or like a high-profile, quote-unquote, profile hunt or whatever, I've always had that, like, oh, my. Dude, when the first time I drew that Ibex tag, yeah, I was like, oh, my God. I was, I was already, like, worrying about failure before I left my freaking house, like, to drive there. I was like. I don't know what you're talking about. And it takes the fun away sometimes. Right? You know, if you get, you, you get consumed by that pressure and that stress to produce or succeed in that manner, it really takes the fun away and the whole experience, you uh -huh. know, and, and – uh, there's a lot to learn from that, for sure. It's and it's it's hard. There's a lot of guys that, you know, don't ever this this stuff never never happens to them, you know, because they're they they just do it. They do it for different reasons that we do it for, yep. right? You know. Yep. But then, I don't know. I feel like I have so many different reasons that I do it for. But one of the reasons is because I'm in, I'm like I'm I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I don't enjoy the attention like you know, i'd be lying to you if i said i didn't enjoy being in the spotlight a little bit once in a while right. you know and how do we get in the spotlight right is you just continue to be successful continue to have you know what you know so that's part of it and once you're at a certain level and you've gotten to that level the pressure for you to continue to perform at that level yep it's like i i equate i mean it's i, I definitely don't want to equate myself or you guys you know to a being a professional athlete, but I got to imagine it's something like that, right? Like you get to a certain level and you're like, oh shit, now I need to be this all yeah. the time. I can't be okay once in a while. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I got to yeah. be this. All like staying on top, the, right. the pressure of trying to stay on top, however we deem that. It's a good point. When I started guiding, that's when, the, like, that's when it really, like I had the TV show, I've been doing, you know, videos and all that stuff since like early 2000. Uh, I was I've been on a pro staff for Matthews like, since 2001. Like even those like those weren't a lot like a lot of pressure. Plus, you know the outside pressure of people like watching you wasn't quite so high because we didn't have the same, you know, uh, reach that we have now, right? Right. But as soon as I started guiding, I was like, okay, now I'm like literally considered a professional. Like I'm getting paid by other people to take them hunting. Like that's like a I don't know, man. Sometimes it gets to me. Like, well, and, <laughs> and a lot of times you have to kind of go back to the why. You know, why did, why did we get into this? Why do we do it? You know, and 
to recharge and to have those experiences. And a lot of times when it comes to guiding, you know, yes, people want to want to succeed and harvest an animal, but a lot of times they're coming out for that experience. Yes. You know, and, and we lose sight of the fact that they're on a vacation, if you right. will. You exactly. know what I mean? They, they, something and, they wanted to do for And a once long again, time we put whatever, that yeah. added pressure on ourselves to, and we feel like we have to perform and produce when in, in the fact that these folks are out here to have a good time, enjoy the experience. They may not shoot an animal, but they had a hell of a time. You know, right. saw exactly. animals, worked hard, got to experience all the things, you know, and, and um, w with where we live and what we do, that's the norm for us. But, you know, to kind of reset and, and look at that from a clear lens uh, really is, is somewhat gratifying to yeah. kind of hit that reset button. Well, and I really think that it varies on the client because Clint's had some, he had, a, he had a client this year that was like, nope, this is the caliber deer I want. And they get the speech at the beginning of camp. Oh. It's like, hey, if you want a 200 inch deer, you decrease your odds by like 95%. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah 10%. Like, and then you just, you just work it all the way down. 170 class inch deer all day long, probably going to get at least a look or opportunity right. at one. And I think that like through what we're talking about, like I have found that when I stop caring, not stop caring, but like when I, when I didn't let, letting go of that pressure and just having fun, fun. with my sons. If not, you start having fun again, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, things just happen. Exactly. I had a client, we were having someone, like he must have thought I was the best guide. I thought I was the luckiest guesser because I just came in, I was like, I think this buck's gonna come right here and it just worked out perfect. And the more than anything, experience told me to just stay put. Uh -huh. But because we had does watching us and we had this buck coming in and there's a lot of stuff happening and we stayed put and this buck walks right in and the guy shoots like 190 inch deer. Hell like yeah. awesome. Like nice. Awesome freaking deer. And for the first time, like it's like I'm feeling like I'm getting more like we always say, well, they didn't read the script. I'm getting more opportunities where they do read the script because I'm taking a little bit of that pressure and trying to remember why I do it. And I think that. I think that there, you know, there is that part though. I feel like it is okay. Like guys that I, I have talked to where they're not about just trying to stay on top, but just to be able to like, it's in your DNA and to put that kind of pressure. And as, as men, like if you didn't have hunting and you didn't have that, that self pressure, I think that obviously anything great like that can also be bad. Like too much of something can be bad, but I think it's a great thing for us to aspire to because if you didn't have that, you could find yourself getting in a lot of trouble in other ways. So I, th I think hunting, it, it's, that, it's that added value, but it's just, again, once it gets in your blood, it, it, it becomes and creates a different lifestyle. And guys don't get that until they actually experience it. Yeah. Well, you know, th th of course, there's different, there's different levels of, of hunters, right? Like, yeah. And I don't mean skill level, but I mean that, that too, of course. But there's guys that spend you know, one week a year, one weekend a year. Like that's, like you said, it's just a vacation. They just want to they they go and, you know, enjoy the recharge or whatever. And then there's the guys that are like 120 days a year or yep. whatever. And so, I mean, like we all, we're all in it for like different things and wanting to do different things. And uh, it's just, uh, for me, I find myself sliding back and forth on this scale of like, I don't know. Do you remember? Did you guys? You, I'm assuming you guys took Hunter Safety yeah. at some point, right? I remember when I took Hunter Safety. Actually, both times I took it again in, in Arizona to, so I could get my point. But the first time I took it in, in New York, one of the things they talked about was the um, the five stages of, of a sportsman, and where like there's like the limiting out. There's the you know. Uh, oh, I can't even remember what they are. God, I wish I didn't bring this up because I can't remember what it is. But there's like five five different stages where one, it's like you're just concerned about filling your tag. One's just concerned about like seeing animals. The other one's like how many you can kill, like you're limiting out. And then and then eventually you get to sportsmen and sport. Or oh, one of them's method. Method is the other like. You want to be able to do it with a bow, or you want to be able to do it with an atlatl, whatever you know. Right. You know, whatever the case may be. And then the last one is sportsman, where you're just there to enjoy everything, to enjoy the experience of what what you're trying to teach your kids, right? Right. So, I find I found myself, and I ever since then I kind of looked at it, and 
I find myself sliding back and forth. Like, cause there's times where I'm like, I just want to fill this goddamn tag. Sure. You know? I just want to punch a tag. And then there's other times where I'm like, I just want to be out here for the experience. I just want to be like, it's like, and it's weird, man. I've never landed one spot and just like stayed there or just progressively gotten to where I need to be. I don't know why that's just like, I'm, sometimes I could be back at the beginning. I just want to freaking see something, you know? No, absolutely. But, yeah. A lot of times it happens when you least expect it, you know, kind of going back to that, that expectation, you know, and when you're just out not expecting anything, you right. know, that's when, that's when things happen, you know? Usually. Yeah. Or, or when you're done. Yeah, that like if, if you have to have that that day that sucked and maybe you blew a stock or you feel like there's no chance of this. It's usually in those moments where, where something pops up. Well, that was us this weekend. So we had a rough – it's, it's hard to have a rough day javelina hunting. Like, I mean, the toughest part about javelina hunting is finding them. Right. And right now the grass in Arizona is like three feet tall. So you it's very hard to find. We, it was, it's, a lot of moisture. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. And it was really, it's really, really hard to find them right now. And all my, like, I got spots that I know year after year, if I go there, I'm going to turn something up. Anyway, so we have this client, and, man, the whole day went by. And we've seen some, but they were just, like, just, like, way the hell out, out of touch, not going to And we went the whole day, and I had Shane with me, so we had two guides trying to guide one guy. And we just weren't turning them up. And I was like, oh, fuck. We literally had, like, 25 minutes left. And I'm like, let's go try this one other spot. We get over there. Shane literally, I didn't even get my binos set up. He's like, I got them. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's what I was telling you before, before we got on the podcast. I freaking jetting across the dam, <laughs> trying to get seven, 800 yards closer. But, um, yeah, it, it's just crazy. Like, if you never give up and you just, but you're always, you know, you're always in it, always hunting, always like that there's something could happen. And that's usually what yeah. happens. Well, I think that's that special feeling, right? Opening day, like when I know I get to go on a hunt with my sons, it's almost more, like more elevated. Clint hammered a bolt. Like him and I both drew coveted tags last year. And this man, Clint, has been there on numerous packouts of okay. mine. And it, he's been one of the few guys that dropped whatever he was doing. And on, honestly, even two years ago, Dropped everything he was doing to come help me when sure no one else could. I make sure I get your number because I'm going to be in Colorado hunting out sure. this year. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but like when you when you find guys like that, he, Aiden, we were in the bolt. We were we had a pile of elk in front of us in this one spot that we were at. Clint was a few hours. I already tagged out on my bull. Clint was two and a half hours away from us. Got the call. And as soon as I got the call, I looked over at Aiden and I said, he goes, did Clint kill a bull? And I was like, yeah. He goes, Let's go. First thing out of his yeah. mouth. And I, w- I, I need I'd some, be I need some be 18 like, year old pack mules. Yeah. There you go. Hey. <laughs> Showed up at the trailhead with pizza and oh, beer, yeah. man. It was the best thing I'd seen in 18 days. But it's that, it's that excitement. We're talking about just hunting, but it's even the excitement of getting that call and knowing you hunted solo for 18 days. 18, 18 days. days. That's nuts. His, and I was, ready to, I was ready to cash it in. That, I was, yeah, that morning. He my wife would have cashed it in for me if I yes. was there for 18 days. Yeah. With a one year old. Oh, at home. shit. That's rough. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the way I remember it, I had talked to him on the phone, and he like he was just, this is before he shot the bull, but it was like the day before, and he goes, man, I think I'm going to put the bow away for a bit, and just mentally, that drained. He goes, I think I'm going to do a rifle hunt. I just need to get a win, and obviously, when you become a bow hunter, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And packing up camp, his spike camp, that long by himself, and then all of a sudden, these elk come over this ridge, yep. and in come. two seconds. Yeah. Dead bull. I was in the middle of them. Awesome. The whole herd. Yep. I mean, just like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, went that's from, a good, I went from talking that's a to a beach ending. ball. Yeah. Ready, ready <laughs> to go home. Wilson. Yeah, I was talking to Wilson. <laughs> it's a awesome. here in Elk Bugle, and, and, you know, I'm running up running up the mountain to, to cut them off, and I shoot a bullet 40 yards. Hell yeah. The herd bull. Nice. Just, that's, how, that's how it happens, you know, and just trying to be prepared and ready. When, at any time, for whether it's the first day or the last day. Yeah. You know, it, it, No, it's I tell key. people all the time, man. I, I'll never under, understand why, like, we pull up with a truck. Like, I'm a big – I hate when guys slam, like, car doors and shit. Oh, yeah. And they're like, "What? we just drove here. We made a lot of noise pulling up. I'm like, but oh, you don't they're know. used to tr- cars going by. They hear the engine going by. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've gotten out and they're, like – 
walked right over, looked right over the edge, and sure. like, oh shit, there's freaking yep. elk right there, or there's yep. whatever. So I'm like, you always got to be like, you always got to be in it. Yeah, Every you time know. you get complacent, that's what. How many times you walked into shit like you're fuck? I'm going back to the yeah. truck, and you're just like, and, walked right past them. Yeah, right. for sure. <laughs> just come on. How many yep. times did that happen? Yeah, you always got to be in. Yeah, those elk will listen to vehicles pass by. They'll, all the time. I, lear- I learned that all the time. Yeah, I, absolutely. A long time ago. Yeah, I'm always like, no, don't sh- don't freaking slam the car door there. Just yeah, close it. Well, I think that people don't understand, too, is that you have to have that level of focus from even the even just from being in the truck and looking to getting out and how you do that and grabbing your gear like you, you there's not a lot of time to like take your eyes off the ball or why you're there and doing what you're doing. No, because it's like usually the minute you do. There's been times where I'm walking out and I'm thinking about, oh, I got to go see my wife. I've been yeah, gone for yeah. a, you know a week, and I get head down. see my family, and then, yeah, and then all of us head down, and then all of a sudden you hear a charge or a crash, and I'm like, oh crap! Like they were just right there, and they took off. So people don't understand. Like we say, it's a mental thing. People, are like, yeah, well, you're out hunting. You don't understand that level of focus. No, most people don't. Yeah, for sure. And it, it takes a lot out of you, and it takes a lot to actually train yourself to have be that focused, like. My wife, Cassandra, she's always like, the minute you see animals, she goes, you lock on. It's like a predator, right? Like, uh, it's like a cat or something. It's like, boom, them. you see that. And watch I'll be driving predator. 70 yeah. miles an hour, and I see, it might be private land, and I see them, but it just, it's innate now in my DNA to, like, look, want to stop, want to no, grab the I'm binos. always looking. Yeah. Always looking. Absolutely. I'm driving in the middle of, like, freaking city I'm looking. I don't know, I, like. Like yeah. there's a sparrow over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a booner. That's a booner feral cat. Look at those claws. <laughs> exactly. I go to uh, not every year, but for the last couple of years, we've been going to visit my my sister in law, and she's in um, in Delray Beach, right? Okay. South Florida. Yeah. And um, we've been going iguana hunting. My son and I. Okay. With the pelicans. Yeah, yeah, dude. So I'm like, I'm driving down like Delray Beach in the middle of like, you know, swank. Like, what are you like, doing? I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> like a fucking, I'm like, you see that? You guys, that, that's a freaking dinosaur over there. Oh, Have that. you guys eaten one? Yeah. Are they good? Eh, I, I don't think I know how to cook them yet. Okay. But I, I've been given a recipe now that I think they would be excellent. Okay. The first time I tried it, I did. I never even thought about that, but it's interesting you bring that up because we were at home, and I don't know if it was on National Nat Geo or something like that, but someone cooked a full iguana. Yeah. And I was like, I've never even thought, like, seen that. Dude, so I, I mean, I, I smoked one this year that was probably 10 pounds. Really? <laughs> he was a freaking, I mean, he was like this long. God. I'll show you a picture later. I mean, I'm holding him up, and he's a freaking. I've wow. t- I've actually killed a I killed a bigger one, uh, but he ended up getting down into the into the canal. Couldn't so get I, him. I didn't go after him, but I, he ended up floating up later down there. I knew he died, but yeah, crazy. I got at, when we got back home this year. I went. I was like, I was went online. I started looking at all these crazy air guns. My wife bought me a badass from Utah. Actually, a Utah air guns guys. She bought it from them. Um, it's a thirty caliber. Wow! Air gun. And it's like twelve hundred feet per second. They're, it shoots come hollow, a long way. like hollow point slugs. Yeah. And dude, I got mine dialed. Wow. Dialed to one hundred and fifty yards. Clicks. I have. I have. I have the. Really? I had best. Of, I. Uh, I had best of the west turret, and I just went and I. I marked it like you would like a slider. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> How far cool. did you shoot it? 150. God. Really? Wow. 150 yards with a pellet? That's crazy. I've seen those. I've seen them advertised. I've heard they're super fun to shoot. But Dude, they're nuts. Well, now Arizona made it legal to hunt big game with a 35 cal and above. Wait, I think it's 35 cal for javelina and deer and a 45 cal for, for elk. So you can hunt javelina with those? I watched a guy... Kill a buffalo with a, I don't know what caliber it was. I want to say 70, it's like 770 caliber, so it's a big freaking slug, you know. And he shot him at like 50 or 60 yards, but he, <laughs> dude, it's like, that's an air gun. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's nuts. That was air and he killed a bison? Yeah. Wow. Bison. There's, a, there's plenty of videos out there of guys killing, you know, whitetail or whatever, 45 caliber, like 200 yards. 
That's badass. Dude, yeah, my shit's so freaking quiet. Oh, yeah. Really? Quiet. Yeah. You shoot an elk with them or a deer if you have the right caliber? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. I don't, I don't have a deer. I mean, it's 30 cal, but uh, um, I think it's 60 grain bullet. So it's mine's not real, like, or 60 grain slug. Right. But, you know, you could get up to the 100 grain, that level. You, yeah. Yeah, all day long killed. Right on. That's nuts. I mean, of course you could if you, you headshot them, too. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I shot mine into a half-inch uh, oak plywood right through it at 50 yards when I was sighting it in. So, yeah, it's, they're pretty freaking powerful, man. Wow. Pretty nuts. So, what are, with the archery stuff, um, do you shoot long distance with your bow? Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I used to – I was – I don't not not that I was the original, obviously, because even Fred Bear was launching him at eighty yards with his longbow back in the day. But I know I was one of the first guys to like really start putting it to light and bringing it to like the masses of shooting long range. Like I remember years ago, I used to get so much shit for it, like tons. I'm like, but you don't understand. Like I practiced at 150 yards so that I can make an 80 yard shot. You know, and then you always get the guys like, oh, but you don't know what the, the animal's going to do between you. Yeah, okay, it's happened. It's, it's happened. no different than a rifle. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess. I get the bullets faster. Yeah. But between when you pull the trigger or when it, you know, like. Yeah. It, if they move or whatever. Exactly. If they're quartering too, it could go bad. Yeah, it could. Oh, it, it, how yeah. many times has it? You know? Yeah. It does sometimes. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think I want to say. Around 2010, I put this video out. I shot an antelope at 97 yards, and oh my god, man, I got it from I got it from hunters. I got it from man eye hunters. Oh yeah, I was like yeah, you get was, roasted. <laughs> See, that's for me not having like that huge of a following. I I put one out. It's still up on my wall or reels. 132 yards on a pronghorn. Heart shot him. Nice. But you can see it's slow motion, so you can actually see the arrow go right in that yeah, pocket. Yeah. You know that little crest where that's the white huge. touches the brown, and. I wish we'd have got the recovery where he, he just literally runs right in front of us 15 yards and dies. Yeah. That that pronghorn was dead in maybe 30 seconds. Mine fell maybe. over. I hit him and it fell over. Really? But it, it's it was interesting. A, it was a weird shot, though. So he, it, it's kind of hard. The perspective's weird, really weird. He's above me a little bit, like in, in elevation. So when I shot him, he ducked and turned his head. And as the arrow was coming out the other side, the arrow whacked him in the back of the head and he fell, fell right over. Wow. It was nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was nuts. It's wow. a good miss over the air. Well, you can't control what the no, arrow does. No, I didn't does. miss. No, no, I know. I'm oh. just saying because what the arrow did. Like, people yeah. think that, like, another thing, they don't understand that as soon as that arrow goes in, what path it's going to take. Yeah. I had, We had a buddy this year that we, we did a recovery. Do you know Steve Fernandez down in Southern Colorado? Know the name? I know the name. Okay. So he had a, he had a whitetail. He let him sit for about six hours. And... Based off what he told us, sound like he hit him back. By the time we got up to that buck, still alive, but he was ready in that he couldn't get up. Steve finished him off. And then at this point, we're in the whitetail tunnels, like where you're crawling on your oh, hands. Yeah, yeah. And when he got him out, we found the first shot because he, he finished him off at a straightaway shot, put it right down the throat. The exit hole, though, on his first shot looked heart, lungs. It's like, how is this thing alive? But See the entry the shot was back. So I get that there was like one lung, but man, those animals are just tough. And equipment, as good as we, as much as we practice, as much that we want the right thing, there's always a lot of be things failure. can change. Yeah, yeah. there's always going to be some kind of failure or, or you know, an unforeseen or whatever. Yeah, you can't, you can't control that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, it's part of it. Unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately, absolutely, it's part of it. So I'd like to hear uh, one of your, uh, one of your stories, man. Just something about maybe. I don't know. That's something that changed the way you you hunt, or maybe. Yeah, yeah. We started off, you know, this conversation talking about, the, like, this year we had a great hunting season, and over the last couple of years, now that my sons are, you know, my oldest is eighteen, my youngest is sixteen, but like, I'm having so much fun watching these guys, not just you know, take really good big mature animals, but being able to be with them and see what they're doing like i think that for me has been a game changer because early on i'll start with a turkey hunt early on there was turkey hunts where turkeys come in and we're just sitting there and i'm like kill them kill them kill them and it almost intense where my wife was on a few hunts she goes hey like i love you but you're a little too intense right. and you don't want to ruin this moment right so 
in guidings help me with that because I, I used to get that way with clients, but over time and you see enough stuff happen, I've learned to just take a step back and again, like the, the point I made earlier, like, hey, regardless if it's Aiden or Jaron, regardless what happens this year, it's even gotten better where I don't, I just call out yardage and they're doing whatever. There's no, yeah. the coaching is slowing down. I'm not trying to be that voice in their ear because I also have to think like if somebody was in my ear doing that, it would just probably drive me nuts, yeah. especially if I feel confident in my equipment. Right. The, the, so seeing them shoot and be proficient with their equipment, we just let it roll the way it rolls. So for me, it's, it's probably, it's patience. Yeah. Patience is what has started to take over in my hunting. And in a weird way, it's, it's almost made it easier to harvest animals and kill them because I just enjoy it and shit just happens that I can't explain. It's like, oh my God, did that just happen? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not trying to force it. I'm like letting the situation develop, if that makes sense. I need to learn how to do the P word. <laughs> I don't know. Patience is not a thing that I've been very good at. Well, I still fail, but it's something that I'm yeah. trying to put in front of me all the time. My my guide, one of the guides that works for me, Shane, he he's... Uh, He's real patient with the clients like yeah. when it comes to the shot process part, and I'm super intense, which is not is not a good situation. Sure. Not always. I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I am. It depends on how hard we had to work to create that opportunity. Yeah. Like, if I know this is our, this this is is our only opportunity, like, everything speeds up, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so he's really good about slowing me down. We, we kind of – and he's a little too slow. Like, he's got no sense of sense of urgency. He's a little bit older than him. He's 23 or something like that, maybe. And um, he's, he's like, in that, that age group. Right. It's like, eh, I'll roll out of bed when I want to roll out of bed, you know. <laughs> and me, I'm like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's just, yeah, well. You know, early you, bird gets a worm. Let's go. Right. And you find that in camp. But, like, I've hunted. I've seen Clint take a few animals. And when you talk about people that have, like, ice in their veins, uh -huh. like, it's hard to see yourself, right? right. Like, but I know I get real intense, and I, uh -huh. I get real focused. That intenseness is starting to come after whatever the result, after the shot, or no shot, or the deer, you know, animal blows out. That intenseness, like, comes usually after that fact. But I still get really emotional, like, yeah. especially after you harvest something, where I, more when I see that my son's oh, harvest yeah. something. Yeah. It's totally different. But this guy... Clint has, I've seen him take a few animals and he's just composure. Yeah. But I think that's just part of who he is anyways, right? Like well, he's he's pretty, a very calm Takes guy. a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, you know, and putting yourself in that situation. Like you and I talk about that, that last 20 seconds, last 40 seconds before you actually pull the trigger. Right. Are so crucial, you know, and trying to keep your composure and make an ethical shot and, and you know, take those right steps because... The truth is, a lot of people lose that composure under that pressure. And um, how many guys you know that are like, they can shoot a tic tac at a hundred yards on a target? You know, the best archer in the whole world, and then you put them in front of an animal, and everything falls apart. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Like that happens a lot. I had to go take a competency test with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. You and I were just talking about this. They wanted to make sure that they had people that could truly shoot. Now, okay. This was with rifle, but I was one of 20 guys that got, that got drawn to go to this deal. And, and the agent says, Hey, whatever you guys, however you guys were taught to shoot is what you came here with. I'm not here to show you how to shoot. Right. Just do You're you. here to pass the you test. Do you. And that, that test was, you had to sh make three shots at 200 yards from a kneeling position. Okay. And then another three shots at 300 yards from a prone position under three minutes, and if you miss a target, you're disqualified. Okay. And that's, and that's how he laid it out. So, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all, right? And uh, unfortunately, I was the third man in line, but the very first guy that got up there, he was under so much pressure. Oh, I bet. I, was, I, could, I could literally see his barrel swimming, yeah, yeah. and it took him a minute and a half to miss the first target. And the instructor said, you're miss, off. you're done, get out. You know, and, and uh, putting yourself in those stressful situations and being able to simulate that as much as you can, whether it be archery or rifle or whatever, will only make you better. Right. You know, and, and um, sometimes, you know, we don't, uh, not everyone gets an opportunity to shoot multiple animals in a year. So what can you do to simulate that? You know, and that's things like that. 
or go to you know, the archery events, the 3D events, shoot with people you don't know, put, put little wagers on and yep. just put some pressure. It's funny. I, I did another podcast this morning. We were having the same exact conversation. Like we talked about kids. We talked about... And it's, it's such an important thing. Like, you have to put yourself in situational mm-hmm. practicing. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, it's not, it's not going to, you know, standing 20 yards in front of a, a block target is not, yeah. you know, no. going to give you the situational or the practical practice that you need to Correct. be. And I, I think, honestly, I think that's been the key to my success all these years. Like, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm good at finding animals. I am definitely not a sneaky person. That is not me. I am, I mean, I can hold my own, but I am not the guy that, I'm not patient. Yeah. I rush everything, force everything. <laughs> like, I, I was actually having a conversation with with uh, Jeff Barlow this morning, and he was telling his son waited nine hours, nine hours for a bull to stand up. Yeah, out. yeah. Fuck, I would never wait. Two no. hours? You'd be throwing rocks. Two hours into it, I, I'd be, I'd be figuring out a way to get an arrow in there somehow. <laughs> you know, right. like, that. that's... I can't do it. Yeah. I, I just immediately, he was saying that, I, and I thought back to two years ago, I freaking unfortunately wounded a big-ass coos buck, oh. and I snuck in through 20 yards, and I was sitting on him. And I was sitting on him from like 9 a.m. to 12, which is a freaking long-ass time for me. Sure. And, and it was August in Arizona. Oh, you're roasting. Roasting my balls off. And I'm just like, I got to make something happen. You know, <laughs> of course, I screwed it up. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, but those animals don't like, have a clock. I don't. I patience. Not me, man. It's funny when I'm guiding. I could talk guys into being like in that kind of situation. I could. We just got to wait it out. Let's let's do this like that. But if it was me, I know I wouldn't. Sure. I, yeah. I don't. How many times I'm like telling somebody they got to do this, and I know in my heart of hearts, if it was me, I wouldn't be doing that. That's right. Because. Because I just you know, I don't have the patience. Well, have you ever like you've paid for leases or have you done a guided yeah. hunt? Yeah. So yeah. like, I think when I won this doll hunt, yeah, there was a lot of pressure, not mm, just because yeah. of the hunt. I know what the value of the hunt is. Oh, yeah, Somebody sure. bought that hunt. The outfitter was paid. Right. Then I added more to to the deal because I added I wanted my wife to come, and then we were going to make a film out of it and all this great stuff. So there's all this extra pressure. So when it came to you know, getting on a doll and making that shot. Right. I had so much up here. Yeah. And I, failed. I missed my I missed my first shot because I'm not really a, a, a long range gun shooter. Like, I'm just not. Like, I, I feel like I'm way more deadly with a bow than a gun, which is weird. But first shot was like 376. I should have just held the crosshairs right on, shot a foot over its back. Left and right was perfect, but it's because I did this turret deal and I didn't, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then I ended up having to go back to my basics, and the guide was like, like, we had seven legal ramps. So I shot, which is nuts. He goes, dude, you have a horseshoe up your, you know what. Like, he's like, there's just no way. Like, we got the biggest one to come down. I missed that. That, we waited an hour. They called it the Alaskan standoff because we're on the shale mountainside and waited for that ram to come out. He got up on a ledge. In that hour of waiting for him, I'm feeling like I just screwed everything up. Right. So I went back to zero on my turret, and he goes, what do you know? I said, I know Kentucky windage, which is a holdover, right? Yeah. Went back to that. Ram was at 487. Smoked him. You Crazy. Know? But it's in moments like that where almost that chaos got me back center because I was like, I can't screw this up. Yeah. Everyone that is here is here because I. Right. they're here for me. Exactly. And that, that's you a lot of pressure. You, you can't fail them. You can't fail the experience. It's like, I know. And with clients, that's our biggest fear is like, we never want to go back to camp and have a hunter that wounded an animal because they draw blood, they're done, and blame the guide because they felt like we rushed them. Right, exactly. And that's, that's a whole different topic. So I think yeah. when you're in that, which I love that about guiding, because you get to know your, you get to know your clients, and I always have a team meeting in my truck the first day where I'm like, hey, listen, you might be the shooter, but this is our hunt. Right. We're going to hunt this animal together. We're going to kill it together. We're going to make right, the decision that's, together. That's good. And for me, that's helped my clients feel like they're part of it, which they are. You know, they're, and then it's more of like buddies hunting together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes it a little bit easier to ha- be patient. Yeah. So that's something I learned from a guy. Yeah, yeah, I, just learned I, tell, that, I just learned that from you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. That's I good. tell a lot of our, uh, our out-of-state folks, you know, that once they dial in their rifle or, or their bow, mm-hmm. 
particularly a rifle, you know, get off of that shooting bench. Yep. You know, and, and shoot off of sticks, shoot off of a tree, go run up and down the hill and then yep. shoot. What's your effective range at that, at, in those conditions? Right. Because the truth is, yeah, you you're, not gonna, you're not gonna have a shooting bench a yeah. with you when, we, when we're out there, you know? I gotta get you guys some shooting bags. I'm gonna get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Okay. Absolute game changer. Really? Both in my guiding business and for my own personal hunting. I was always a great shot. I've heard was, of them. Always a great shot, honestly. Like, as a kid, my dad started me shooting real young, and I was like, you know, the kid with the Daisy BB gun shooting a, you know, a sparrow at 100 yards out of the tree with open side. Like, I was, I, I mean, one, that's one of the few things I, I can say I'm good at is I'm, I've always been a good shot. And, you know, so I would shoot out to three, 400 yards. I could shoot 1,500 yards. Wow. It's like that much of a game changer. And they're, I mean, obviously they're best with prone. Everybody, everything's best prone. But you can use them on a tree. You can use them. I, what I do a lot is with, my, with clients is I'll set the tripod up in front of them for a seated shot. Because a lot, like right now we were in this super tall grass. Couldn't lay down. It was, it was sitting. So tripod. Shooting bag on the on the top, and I would have them sit like you know crisscross applesauce, whatever Indian style, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever the freaking political term is now. And I put my backpack on the on the, and then I put shooting bags on the backpack. So you're sitting like this, and you work the shooting bag oh, with this yeah. hand. Yep. And you, the only input you have in the gun is a trigger. Like, dude, ridiculous. My my first client shot. 450 yards. And the second guy was 300 yards. With a muzzleloader. With a muzzle loader. I, I mean, I got a special muzzleloader. Yeah, loader. no, I'm sure. But, but still. It's a best of the West. It's yeah, made by best that's of impressive. West. But come on. Yeah. Stupid, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. I've heard of them. I've heard a lot of good things about them. I'll get you guys set up. And so one of the things I do as a guide, okay, and not everybody wants this, but so this is definitely a conversation, part of your, your sure, pregame figure conversation. figure out what they want, yeah. But for us, coos deer hunting, and javelina hunting, not so much on the mule deer because of the country, but or elk, but especially coos deer and javelina, the hardest thing I have with them is having them find it in the scope. Oh yeah, oh yes, yes, hundred percent, impossible. So with the bags, especially all, you can only do this with prone. It doesn't work on the seated. You set it on the bags and tell them to get behind the scope. I get on, I yeah. get on the bags, I, I get it set up, and so what happens is the crosshair is you know, above the animal, okay? I, I take them into my binos. I said, okay, you see this, you see this, you see this? I said, the crosshair should be about here. You know, I'll even put my phone scope on there, throw my, you know, That's phone awesome. on, and, I'm like, and I show them. I'm like, and they're like, all right, you get this? Okay, I want you to look at this. And, and oh, I'll get to this part, okay? So then I have them get into the, into the bag. I said, all you got to do is, can you see, just look in the scope. Don't touch the gun. Can you look in the scope? Yeah. What do you see? You see that thing we were talking about? Yes. Okay. Now put your hand on the trigger, or on the where, like you know, on the trigger guard. Get it ready in that position, and then I have them squeeze the back bag. And then you squeeze the back bag, the the barrel drops right and drops the crosshair. You'll be able to see the animal. Oh yeah. Oh okay, I got it. Okay, you're on it. Yeah. And then I zoom the scope for them. Take the safety off. Wow. I can't tell you how many guys that I've come that have never shot over 100 yards that have killed things at seven, eight. Crazy. Really? Absolutely crazy. Wow. It's ridiculous. That's it's almost awesome. cheating. Yeah, well. I've run into issues with clients not being able to find animals in their scope. It happens a lot. Oh, man. So this is what I've done. Yeah. I actually got a, I got a video on YouTube, and it's called uh, Tricks to Finding Coos Deer in Your Scope. Something like something Something along those lines. Okay. I'll look it up. Or okay. send it to me, too. So what I do is I put my, I put my 15s. You know, I put them on the animal. I said, okay, come here, come behind the 15. So I said, what do you see? Oh, right, you can see the animal. Okay. I want you to look at everything in that, in that picture. And then I want you to look over the top of the binos. And, you know, the stud, I have an outdoorsman. But even the, even the regular saguaro, everybody's got a little thing that pops up. I'm like, use that as like a gun sight. I said, look over the top of that and look at the mount. What can you see? Oh, okay, I can see this. I can see that. So look for all the things that you can. Okay, now go back into the scope. I mean, go back into the binos and go back over the top. Do that a couple of times. And I want you to burn that image in your, in your, okay. Now go over the gun. Go over the gun. I said, put, take, look over the top of the turret on your scope. 
and find that same spot that you see you can see with your naked eye. Okay, get on there. Get in the scope. Do you see that thing that you were looking at? Yes. Okay. Now, remember the rock that was here and the bush that was there or whatever. Right. Okay, go to that. Go to that. Go to that. Oh, I got the animal. And you just like talk them down to it. Talk them into it, yeah. And it's like, oh, like a freaking light switch goes on and they got it. And then you just walk over and, you know, I try not to let them turn this because they go to turn this and then they get out of you know they get yep. off of, so i go and turn the scope for them like all right let me get back in my binos all right you're on them yeah yeah cool boom 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 and every, you know <laughs> well and for me i'm and high five too yeah. well, i like the turn totally. thing though because everything everything has a dial in so even pointing that out i've never even thought about that yeah but that that that's a good tip for sure yeah, yeah I, I like that i just I learned how to do it. I don't even know. I don't think anybody ever showed me. It's just like something I started doing. Yeah. Because I used to have the same problem. I could find freaking deer all the goddamn time in my binos. And then when I wanted to go to translate that to my scope, I was like, where the frick? Where, where? Why not? You know? Yeah. For, yeah. One, of, one of the things was like, most guys will zoom in too much. Yes. Okay. So you got to be able to recognize big things that you can see at five power or four power. Yep. And then... Okay, now I can see the deer. Now I can see the javelina or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But, yeah. I had a client. We were on deer, and he couldn't find the animal in his scope, and the deer ended up getting up and moving off, and that was it. <laughs> but yeah, it that's frustrating. Oh, I know. oh, man. Trust me. So my, yeah. very, my very first client is my father-in-law. He was, was my father-in-law, I should say. He's, he passed a couple years ago. But... Um, those frustrations and all this stuff came about from you do so much for to get him. to this point and then it's we like would, oh my I can't tell you and he was like he was like my lucky charm when I, to finding big stuff but we would never kill it what, right it, yeah because he together. always had that same problem like and man oh, so man. like I started developing ways to get around that and then once I started guiding guiding for like I had I've had my guides license for a long time I'd go help out I worked for uh, Billy uh, at Little Rip Outfitters, Billy Babish, and you know, I do a client here, a client there, but it wasn't until I started my own thing. And then I was like, I need to do something that makes it easier so we can be more successful because yep. we're busting our ass, we're creating the opportunity, and we're not coming home with something, right? Yeah. And it's not like I could get you closer. Like, there's that's one thing about Arizona, like yeah, oh no, I know. a lot of times it's either you're like you're in bow range or you're shooting from 500 yards. Yep. Like yep, there's no, there's no in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. You know, especially when you're doing like most of the stuff what we guide is private land, right? Or all private land. Oh man, yeah. And I, you got to worry about neighbors' fences yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, the deer are always on the other side, yeah, maybe coming over. So you, of course. Sometimes those window windows of opportunity to capitalize are pretty small. Right. This year, I think we had that more than ever, just because we just didn't have a normal rut, yeah. or it wasn't the deer weren't normally where they usually are when they rut. Right. Probably because of the moisture, so it, it made it very very challenging. And you guys are doing the private land in Colorado. Yeah, we yeah. got a. But well, Clint got me back into it. I I gave up guiding. I don't know, six years ago, just because these guys were starting to get into their, you know, bow hunting and all that. There right. was a little, you know, politics of, it just, I like lost the love of it, right? And oh, yeah. got out of it, stepped away from it. But Clint started guiding for a good friend of ours, Donnie Carr. And man, we just- Been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun. He runs a great camp, no drama. That's like number one. And the other side, like, it's just, it's good people. You're probably going to put 10 pounds on because the cook that's there is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Like nice. it's, and, and it's just like what I always envision a good guide camp. Yeah, and yeah. for me, it's, he's very flexible. I can go and just guide a couple rifle deer hunts and be done. I don't have to be committed to yeah. archery and all that because that's what I'm hunting for myself yeah, yeah. and now the boys. Nice. Yeah, I, I, have, uh, I do private land in, uh, in South Dakota. Yeah. Oh, okay. But only archery only. Mule deer? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've been doing it. I've been hunting there personally since early 2000s yeah and uh i just started guiding on there like five years ago yeah and freaking amazing place i mean private land's always so much more you know you're not in competition with anybody that's right right, right. but it's nice when you have a hand in the management you know and you can like kind of tell but i i love it i love it over there it's my favorite trip of the year that's awesome man yeah i want to i've heard a lot about south i'll have to pick your brain because that's one place i i just love killing mule deer it's one of my love elk, bugling elk with a bow but rutting bucks yeah oh. rutting bucks are my favorite i don't, I don't care if they're whitetail or, or muley but i like rutting bucks. i like i like rutting the deer rut and then i don't know 
I, it's hard for me. I like whatever's in season. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. like, uh, I'm, I get you. I'm, I'm getting excited that turkey season's going right, right. now. Me too. I'm going to go to California to go hunt turkeys for the first time. You could take three of them over there. I'm like, what? Three? Three like, turkeys in Kelly? Yeah. Wow, man. Crazy. Anyway, well, I won't hold you guys up any longer. I want to thank you for coming on. And, yeah. You know, Thanks for a, having us. Taking a little time and chat with me. It's fun. It's been fun. to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, I do a traditional podcast and have you guys on to actually talk tactics and whatnot. Just, so, all right. Cool. Uh, you guys got anything going on that you want to plug or anything that you... I'm good. I guess people that don't know Clint, because I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. The like, what? Well, he, so Clint, uh, he's a broker. He does a lot of land. I'm in farm and ranch real estate. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. So, Great Plains. My, uh, got anything for like 50 bucks? Well, my, that's about all yeah, I got. Yeah. <laughs> With a year-round stream in it, borders, yeah. public land. Yeah. yeah. That's we what I want. That. No, it's, it's been good. I, uh, I've kind of created a niche because, because of my hunting background and my knowledge of the state. Nice. I have a lot of people that come to me that want to find hu- good hunting property. Yeah. You know, knowing the different units and things like that, it's crucial when it comes to that. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm awesome. always... So what's the name of it? How do people uh, Great Plains it? Land Company. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Is it Great Plains? Instagram? Down? Yeah, and my, I'm on Instagram, Rocky Mountain Clint. Rocky Mountain Clint. Yeah, Clint Whiting. Sweet. And uh, yeah, I mean, if it's not hunting season, I'm, I'm hunting for good hunting property. There you go. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of fun. Awesome. For okay. me... Santino Mantino on Instagram, but outside of that, yep, I, I run a production marketing business that's turned into a full-on agency. I do that with my son, and our like our goal is pretty simple. Like in everything we do, we want to inspire people to get outdoors. But with COVID, we've had to get creative. We've we've helped a lot of brands and companies elevate their media game. So that's what we do. You know, you can follow us on Instagram, but. Yeah, more than anything, we're just trying to spread the good word on and keeping the heritage of hunting alive. Yeah. And we try to showcase that with any content we do in the outdoors. That's huge. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. All one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.